Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Buenos días, amigos y amigas. It's great to be here with you this morning. And I have to say that I have greatly enjoyed and admire all the work that you're doing uh, through watching some of your services on YouTube. But being here makes me appreciate much more all the remarkable work that you all are doing to hold services, continue to hold not only beautiful and inspiring services, but also draw people in uh, to watch online. Thank you again for the, uh, to the session of First Presbyterian Church Granada Hills. And I bring you greetings on behalf of this community of churches and ministries that we call the Presbytery of San Fernando, of which First Presbyterian Granada Hills is such an important part of. And I'm pleased to tell you that as we gather here today, there is almost 5,000 people either worshiping in parking lots or connecting online that are part of this partnership uh, of ours. About 35 churches and new worshiping communities from Lancaster all the way to the Silver Lake area of Los Angeles. So we are in this together. And uh, no matter what comes, uh, there have been other pandemics and other difficult situations, but the Church of Jesus Christ carries on worshiping God and serving in, in his name. So it's wonderful to be here, and I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer one more time. God of love, plant us in the soil of your word. Nurture us with the strength of Christ, divine of everlasting life. Enlighten us with the wisdom of your spirit, so that we may abide in, in you and you may abide in us, and that we may live in your love. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Now let us listen to God's word to us through the reading of the Gospel of John. I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine grower, who removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but this pandemic has made me have a better appreciation for the dynamic nature of the church, how we can flex, how we can come up with creative ways of going about our work together. 
And one of those creative ways is the internet. I don't know how the people that were around for the previous pandemic did it without a solid internet connection. But I have to say that when I look at my cell phone and see the sign of Wi-Fi or those bars going up, I feel reassured. <laughs> but more than that, and more than being connected, that way, as wonderful as it is, I believe that he has helped us gain a greater appreciation of the privilege that we have of being part of the people of God. I mean, we were praying before the service, and I, rea I realized, my goodness, what an honor to be able to be gathered here with God's people today. And um, that is precisely what the passages that we read talk to us about, about being planted by the streams of water. Regardless of the season that we find ourselves in, we can be reassured that we are part of the true vine that Jesus is and that we are grounded in him. One thing that I can tell you about me is that, as uh, Reverend uh, uh, Turner mentioned, um, we, I was born in Venezuela, went to college in Brazil, and uh, I just moved with, uh, with my family back from Tennessee. So as a lot of pastors, I've been uh, in different places, but I was being born in Venezuela in a country that is kind of tucked between the Caribbean Sea and the Andean Mountains and um, uh, Amazon jungle uh, doesn't necessarily make me an expert in trees, okay? Um, I was born in, a, I actually grew up in the city of Caracas, a five million city with a lot of concrete and a subway system uh, and, and a lot of freeways and all that. And then, um, in the middle of the economic boom of the 80s, uh, there seemed to be like, you know, the sky was the limit in Venezuela. Um, I was part of a family that, um, my father being a high-ranking officer of the military and an attorney, um, I was part of a family that had everything going for them until things dramatically changed in Venezuela. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the details of the events there because there are certainly many interpretations. But the fact is that um, there was a sense of great dislocation. Um, and I remember growing up um, thinking, okay, we're part, we're secure, we're safe, we're part of, a, of a, a part, at least, of the country that is going to be okay. But uh, things are starting to shift and change and I realized that whereas before I could only relate to certain circles, in the midst of the transitions that the country was going, um, uh, a hunger for the things of God uh, increased. And then at the age of about 14, I became more involved in church and dedicated my life to Christ. And I, I wish I could say that things got better since then for the country, but they didn't. But I can tell you today, because of the changes and the crisis in the country, my family of origin is spread out into five different countries. But we have remained hopeful and connected, and more than connected, we have been able to remain grounded, uh, regardless of what happens in our country of birth and around the world, because of our faith in God. 
I like to call this that we are radically rooted in God. And that's who the church is. That's what the church is by the grace of God. Not only a place of connections and friendships, but a place of abiding confidence that moves us forward and that helps us find meaning and purpose in life in spite of the circumstances of life. And this church needs, uh, uh, this church knows quite a bit about roots and deep roots. I don't know if you know about this, you know, but now since you know a little bit about me, I'm going to share something that you may know about your church. But the Presbytery of San Fernando was actually born in this place. Do you know that? Right here in 10400 Celsa Avenue on September 10, 1967. I'm not going to ask who was here back then, but... Pastors and elders from all of Southern California held the first of four meetings to turn what since 1873 had been known as the Presbytery of Los Angeles, turn it into five different presbyteries. So not only San Fernando, but all the other presbyteries in the region were born out of a meeting that took place right here. And not only that, some of you might know, and for that we're very grateful, that the offices of the Presbytery of San Fernando were here for the first decades of existence prior to moving to Panorama City, where we are located now. So decade after decade, this church has shown what it means not only to be connected, but also to be committed in Christ. And I would say a word that is... Uh, present throughout scriptures and is a favorite to Presbyterians, you're covenantally committed in Christ. We know we can count on you, we know that, and you know that you can count on the people of God because truly whatever comes, we can trust in God. And we can trust in God's abiding love for us. God is committed to us. And we, in our dynamics of life and our ebbs and flows and challenges, we can be assured of that. And by the way, the word committee comes from commitment. Okay, so it's good to serve in a committee, all right? <laughs> Both of the church and of the presbytery and synod and general assembly. Because we're covenantally committed to one another. And someone that has shown me that is Pastor Jim Silverwood. I think he's probably watching. You know, I've been in meetings with Pastor Jim where the agenda is not moving fast enough. By the way, not his fault. Where you wonder, what in the world am I doing here? But we choose to remain because it is God's work that, is, that we are committed to. And we are reminded that God's abiding love is what moves us. Pastor Jim is committed to this church, has shown us in the presbytery many, in many instances that that is the case. And he's committed to the pastors and churches in the presbytery, but more than that, he's committed to Christ. And that's why it's such a joy to serve alongside with him. 
Share life is not easy, not only because of committee meetings, but because there is disagreements, there are disappointments. You know, I'm sure that you probably had some conversations about how to worship, whether to gather, how to gather, to what extent to use technology, and even who to invite for preaching. But I want to say that um, in all of what you do, what matters is, is that it is an expression of the love of Christ. So you are radically rooted and you are covenantally committed in Christ, not only for creating a safe space in this place, but for us to together create a brave space in which, uh, to which we can invite others to know and to love our Lord and Savior. But beyond that, not only are we rooted and committed but like in Presbyterian circles, we like to say we're a connectional church. But more than that, we, are, we do mission in partnership. Because we're called and commissioned as branches that bear fruit. It was fascinating that Pastor uh, Jordan was, uh, and I were able to meet, as she mentioned, in the Yucatan Peninsula getting to know some Presbyterian brothers and sisters, indigenous uh, people of the Chol ethnic group that had suffered a great deal when a volcano, and this is a real story, friends, a volcano had exploded in their native Chiapas, so they were forced to migrate to uh, this other location in Campeche. And uh, this other location is not known by having a lot of indigenous influence. So they, they instead of speaking the, the, the Spanish language, were dominant in their Chol, not uh, native Chol language. Um, however, they chose not to see themselves as discriminated against the people that had just suffered an unfortunate situation, but as good people that are committed to Christ chose to partner to serve their communities. And in a place in Mexico where truly water is not as available as Coca-Cola, um, they chose to develop a movement uh, and invite us uh, to be part of it in order to serve their communities. And they have built cisterns all over the region where truly new plant seeds are being planted by the streams of water because of the branches that have been uh, uh, extended beyond the, the, the boundaries of the church. Because Jesus said, I am divine and you are the branches. Something that you may not know about me is the word Sarmiento, what the word Sarmiento means, my last name. It is quite unusual, even among Latinos. And um, when I was given the privilege of being a US, becoming a US citizen about 20 years ago, um, they uh, also had the, the opportunity of, of taking on another legal name. So for a moment, I thought, OK, how do I keep my history and who I am and my rootedness 
in my uh, identity and probably make it a little easier for everybody else rather than trying to spell out my last name every time. So for a moment I thought of John Smith, right? <laughs> Same initials and uh, easy, right? But then I thought, I don't think I make for a very credible John Smith. And I'm glad I kept Sarmiento because in some old um, versions of the Bible in Spanish, Sarmiento means branches. So when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he was actually in, in some Spanish Bibles, he was saying, you, I am the vine and you are the Beautiful. You even rolled that R. That's really good. But we drive not only our life from our own places of origin, be it that we are from uh, the Chol ethnicity or Latinos or African Americans or Asians, that's a very important of who, we, of, of who we are. And then in Christ, there is no East or West. We are brought together to the one true vine. Yes, welcome to bring who we are, the fullness of who we are, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, call and commission to go beyond who we are and go and, and serving and showing the love of God towards others. I'm going to tell you, this, has, this is a church that knows about being called and commissioned. And we as Southern California Presbyterians know a little bit about that. When the first church was started in Los Angeles in 1855, it started with 12 attendees, okay? Um, it was tough. The church, the pastor resigned after six months. Um, there were two elders and then one of them decided to recant, right? But because of that, their faith and their commitment to being to Christ and their self-understanding as branches and the mission of God, you know, that church, after a few years, there were about six new churches established in the region. And now, after the meeting that took place here um, and the new presbyterians were formed, Today, there are about 236 congregations uh, in Southern California with 44,000 people of all ages, of all walks of life, worshiping in, throughout the Southland in languages as varied as English and Arabic and Mandarin and Korean and Spanish and many others. So thanks be to God because God's mission continues, and we're part of it. One of the most memorable days that I had as uh, evangelism catalyst for the Presbyterian Mission Agency out of Louisville was when I visited the Gejayan Reformed Church in a city called Yogyakarta in Indonesia. See, for 15 years, the church had been serving in this place of great religious diversity, right? Um, Indonesia, as you know, being the place with the largest number of Muslims all over the world. 
But so for 15 years, that church had grown to be 7,000 members, to have 7,000 people in worship on a typical weekend, the majority of them being college age. And so I was given the opportunity to, to visit with the pastor of the church, a very humble man by the name of Paulus, a Buddhist background himself. And I was actually visiting one of the missionaries, some of the mission co-workers that this church has been involved in supporting, Bernie and Farciana, they're over there in Indonesia. So they took me and introduced me uh, to Pastor Paulus, and he received me at outdoors at a place like a prayer garden. He didn't receive me in his office. This was prior to, to social distancing, so it was quite unusual to be received that way. But he proceeded to tell me the story of the church, how the church started growing, drawing people from different backgrounds and languages. And, uh, and then they decided that they needed more space to build. And they, like you yourselves, they had probably land to build. And so they asked for permission of the community. And the community decided not to grant the permission. So they could have become bitter and they, they, they were brokenhearted because they wanted to show the love of Christ to the community. But instead of that, they came up with a brilliant idea of creating a prayer garden where people from all walks of life and religions and in these cities and languages could come and pray, have a pause, disconnect a little. Perhaps to find something more deeper than the day-to-day -day life in the big city of Jakarta, And people started coming and church members started to teaching people how to pray in the name of Jesus. And people in the community were happy to come and learn how to pray in the name of Jesus. Well, the church has continued to grow. And something I was telling them is, listen, Pastor Paulus, in the United States, we are, I have to recognize, we're a little bit afraid of people from different ethnicities and religions. What would you tell, how, what would you suggest that we do? He said, well, I don't know. There is some fear here too. But what we do is we take our members to the madrasas, to the schools where the Muslim children are, and we teach them how to love them. How to love them. I was blown away. Because it's so simple yet so powerful. The church has continued to grow and planted five more churches. But the thing is that uh, I, I was so impressed that I asked Pastor Paulus, Pastor Paulus, You've seen all this growth happen in 15 years. What would you want to see in the next 10 years of life of this church? I, as a typical Western Christian, asking about goals and measurements and metrics for church growth. And he thought long and hard, and he said, Pastor Juan, in 10 years, what I want is that we learn how to love one another that we learn more how to love one another. Because, friends, see, the fruit that Jesus wants us to 
have for us as branches and part of God's mission are not necessarily always quantifiable. There's going to be moments where as we have experienced in churches in the U.S., overall experiences, experiencing, there are going to be moments where things seem not to be happening, where, apparently, where we feel actually dry and perhaps not very fruitful. But we can continue and carry on God's work, knowing that God has promised to be with us every day of our lives until the end, until the very end. Especially during very difficult times, like the ones we are um, living through, we could say that we are radically rooted, that we are covenantally committed, and that we are called and commissioned by God. The cry and prophet Jeremiah in the midst of a difficult situation, the impending uh, invasion of the Babylonian Empire and the exile of the people of Israel could say that in the midst of, of the certainties of the future, Israel could be blessed and the people of Israel could be blessed. That they did not fear when the heat comes and when the leaves shall, uh, uh, fall because they can stay green rooted in God's love and in the year of drought they need not to be anxious and they can continue to bear fruit maybe all that is happening in the world today has left you or left us feeling disconnected or dry or disoriented perhaps you yourself individually or your family life are feeling dry or feeling like a broken branch. And commitment and fruitfulness is probably something that you can even think of. Or just perhaps you want to say, God, I know that I need you every hour. I have not been living as your disciple. I know that I have not been abiding in you. Whatever your situation is, let me tell you, I have good news for you today. The vine grower is still very much at work. The river of the Spirit is still flowing. We can still be the branches that God wants us to be. And I invite you to pray with me today. Loving God, it is only in you that we live and move and have our being. We recognize that apart from you, we cannot have real life. We ask, O oh God, that you heal our diseases, that you discipline and train our wandering trendles, and that you prune our unfruitful branches. We want to remain in Christ. And we invite him to remain in us. And through all the changing seasons of life, of life help us delight in bearing fruit of love, which is the true purpose for which we are here and our joy. For your name's sake, amen.